say there's a twist. This is a series where we've talked about the idea that Jesus said that the world that you live in is not exactly the way that you think it is. That, that it looks plain, it looks obvious, it looks like everything is just as you could see it. But he said, actually, there's something going on that you cannot see. That there is a unseen world that affects the, the seen world. That there, there are things that we can't see, they're of a spiritual nature. Paul said that there are things that are of, of, of spiritual forces at work in the earth. Jesus said that there was an entity, a being called the, he called the devil. There was a bunch of other names that they had given him that was influencing things behind the scene. And this is what Jesus said about that being that entity called the devil, is that his main, his main operation had to do with deception. That if I can make you believe something that's not true and convince you of things that you can't see and that they are a certain way, that they're really not this way, it's this way. If I can just put some wool over your eyes, that then I would, then I would have you. Jesus said actually he's the father of all lies, that he is a deceiver. And when you go back to Genesis in the Garden of Eden, the way that he begins to engage with, with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, it's never forceful. It's so subtle and it's so suggestive. It just leads leads you to some type of new conclusion that is not true. But in the same chapter where Jesus said that the devil is the father of all lies, he also said, but you who are with me, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The twist is this. The twist is, is that sometimes in life we are duped into believing something that's just not true. And, and, and here's why today's message is so important. Today's message is so important because every one of you in here need to know what I'm going to say today. Every one of you need to be able to look through these scriptures we're going to look at today because here, here's what I know about you. Every one of you on some level have experienced pain or suffering. And if you feel like, well, actually life's been pretty good for me, Todd. It's actually not been that bad. Then here's what else I know about you. You know somebody who has experienced pain and suffering. And if that's not you, here's, here, just wait long enough. And eventually, more than likely, you will not somehow break the odds. You will experience some level of pain and suffering. Now, for those of you who have, have, have experienced pain and suffering, here, you notice we all do the same things when we experience pain and suffering, that we begin to look for answers. I remember uh, it was just probably uh, almost a couple of years ago now, there was a woman who had lost her son. And when you lose a child, how many know that breaks the normal pattern of life? You know, kids are supposed to bury their parents. Parents should never have to bury their kids. And so when a parent has to bury their kid, it is one of the most shocking of tragedies. And for her, I remember meeting with her just just hours after her son had died and the report had come back to her and she was so confused and so lost and was and what do you all do always do you ask questions like why why did this have to happen why did god let this happen why did this happen to him why did this happen to me how could god have done this how could i don't understand was it this was it that why you know and, and depending on the nature of your tragedy and the nature of your pain and suffering sometimes it depends on on maybe something that's going on with your kids sometimes you start asking questions like well maybe if i would have been a better parent Maybe if I'd have been a better mom, maybe if I'd been a better dad, if it's going on in your marriage, you start looking. Maybe I, if I would have been a better husband, if I would have been a better wife, if I'd have been, maybe if I'd have just done things differently. We always try to make sense of it, don't we? Because we think that if we can just somehow make sense of our pain and suffering, that we'll be able to endure it. It, 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 How many know it doesn't actually relieve the pain? The pain is still there. And how many know this? You ever notice how pain is unique? There's a physical pain and then there's an emotional pain 
And I've typically found that the emotional pain is way worse than the physical pain. With the physical pain, you can somehow medicate it, treat it, do something. It's hard to numb the emotional pain. And so we all go through the same thing. And here's the twist. The twist is this, is that God, at the end, God must be the one to blame for our pain and suffering. There's also like a logical way that, that people deduct, deduct this and break this down. Because I've had conversations with all kinds of people who don't believe in God. And, and they say things like this. Well, if God, here's why I don't believe in God. Because if God were real, why is there all kinds of pain and evil and suffering in the world? How many of you have ever heard that before? If God were real. Because they get into this philosophical debate and it sounds really, really good. And if you're not equipped for it, it will absolutely throw you for a spin. Because they'll say something like, well, I don't believe God is all loving and all powerful. He can't be. Evil is proof of it. Because if God were all powerful, he would get rid of evil. So he might be loving, but he's not all powerful. Or or, or maybe he's all powerful, but he definitely can't be loving because if he had the power to do something about it, he would. So therefore, he cannot be all powerful and all loving. He might be one or he might be the other, but either way, he's not to be trusted or he just doesn't exist at all. And all of a sudden you're like, what do I say to that? That sounds really, sounds really good. And it stumps the mind of the person who's never maybe walked through this or been taught or been helped or been Kind of guided through. What do I do with that? And so again, let, let, let's walk through this. Number one is this. When we experience pain and suffering, we do this. We question ourselves. Was it me? Was it something that I did? Was it something I should have done differently? How am I to blame for this? How am I the cause for this? The second thing that we do is we question God. God, why did you allow that to happen? You could have stopped that. Have you ever, ever had that cross your mind? God, why did you allow that to happen? You could have stopped it. Or number three is this, and sometimes this isn't bad. We just come up with explanations. Like I remember it was years ago, there was a young man who was, who was, um, had a, a very severe sickness and he was dying. And, and what they would do is they would say, oh, but look at the impact that this person had on the nurses and the doctors. I bet that all of this might have happened so that they might come to know Jesus. And it sounds incredible. And there might be a shred of truth to that. But can I tell you, that's not the real answer. That there is something bigger. And so here's the, here's the point I'm trying to get to. Whenever we appear, experience pain and suffering, we're trying to put all the dots together, aren't we? We're trying to figure it out. We're trying to make some kind of sense of it. Because if my pain and suffering has no meaning, if my pain has no purpose... What do we end up doing at the end of that pain and suffering? We lose our faith. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been, I don't know that I can believe in God if this. I don't know that I can ever trust God again if this. So at the end of our pain and suffering, what do we have? We have lost our faith. And so pain and suffering is a real thing. It's something that we absolutely experience. And so here's what I want to do for us today. Is I want you to know... That God has connected the dots for us. Now, here's the deal. He didn't connect the little dots. The little dots are my little world and my specific little instances and all the little details of my exact. I don't know that you're going to make sense of that on this side of death and eternity. I don't know that you're going to be able to pull that off. What I want you to know is, is that the Bible speaks to how this thing works. And God doesn't connect the tiny dots. God actually connects the big dots. There is a real legitimate answer to this. And, and here's what I want you to know before I give it to you. Some of you might not be completely satisfied by the end of this. And here's why. If you're experiencing pain and suffering now, what I'm going to tell you is not going to help you on an emotional level. 
And this is why I tell people, like, if you're a Christian person and you're a Bible person, you know a lot of scriptures, and all of a sudden you find somebody who's experiencing tragedy or pain and suffering, do not go and start quoting them all your Bible verses. You stop it. You go hug them. You love them. You hold their hand. You pray for them. You cry with them. And you just let them know, hey, I don't understand this either. But I, know, I just know this. I know God loves you and I love you and I'm here for you and God's here for you. And, and no matter what, I got your back. That's what you do. You don't try to meet emotion with logic. Because in the middle of your emotion, you don't want to hear it. Can I get an amen? I just don't want it. I need you to love me right now. I don't need you to fix me. So, so, so that, that's number one. Um, number, number two is this. Just because I can connect the dots won't diminish the pain. And we already figured that out. Just, if, even if we do make sense of all the little dots, it doesn't like take the pain away. It just helps you endure it a little bit better. It doesn't. The other thing it does is this, and I, 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 please be careful. There are some of you out there that have experienced such incredible pain and suffering that I have no way at all of relating to it. I cannot. What you've gone through so vastly outweighs and overshadows anything that I've ever gone through. I wouldn't even dare to try to compare, compare my world to your world. I just wouldn't do that. And so here's what I want you to know, that when I connect these dots and we put these scriptures together, I don't want you to think that this minimizes your pain and suffering. Your pain and suffering is absolutely real. And it is absolutely legit. And I want you to know that when you're going through it, I will hug you and I will hold you and I will pray for you. And I will not give you 20 Bible scriptures until you want them and are ready for them. And even then we'll go really, really slow. Because I want to help you walk through tragedy and walk through pain. And I do not ever want to minimize what you're going through. So if you're here today and you're in the midst of it, please, please know I love you. And please know that God loves you. This will all come together by the end of the day. Are you ready? So let's walk through this. There is a portion of Scripture found in Romans chapter 8 that I want us to walk through today. And so if you're a Bible study person, you like lots of Scriptures, you're going to like today. Because Paul has an entire take on pain and suffering and what we experience and why we experience this. Are you ready? Everybody say, I'm ready. Okay, we're, we're ready now. So listen to this. Here are the big three dots before I even begin. I'm just going to like give it to you now. We'll walk through it and then I'll wrap it up at the end. Are, are you ready? These are the big three dots. That God gives us to make sense out of this whole thing. Everybody say this with me. Everybody say in the beginning. Everybody say in the meantime. And in the end. One more time. Everybody say in the beginning. In the meantime. And in the end. Now let's read Romans chapter 8 in light of that. The Bible says this. This is Paul. He says, I consider that our present sufferings. That, that's meantime. is right now. Our present sufferings are not worth, worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Everybody say future. So that, that's, that's at the end. So, so whatever we're going through now, he says, is somehow not going to be compared to what we experience in the end. To which all I have to say is, is wow, heaven should be pretty doggone mind-blowing then. Because there's some incredible suffering in the earth that I've seen. There's some evil that I've seen that I have no words for. And so heaven must be over the top spectacular. That's the only thing. We'll start there. So, so now he, he just kind of opens with that idea. And then he begins cycling through and breaking down. Are you ready? For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. So again, we're talking future now. You're going to see that there's an in the beginning, there's an in the meantime, and there's 
in the end. And he's giving you this broad picture right now in these first couple of scriptures. But then he goes back now. Are you ready? Now we're going to go back in time. For the creation, that's way back when, right? Like creation been around a long time before our present current suffering. So back in the creation, the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Here's what this is saying. This word frustration, if we unpack it, what it means is this, is that the world ain't right. The world is off and the world has been judged because when sin entered the world, the world began to decay. The world became cursed. Something bad began to happen in the world. So this is what he's saying. He says, when you go back to the beginning, know that it all started, that the earth and the world was judged when sin entered the world. So in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. Now, that's, that's what we're talking about, right? So you ever wondered, like, why bad things happen? Like the earth? Well, it's in bondage to decay. Okay, let's let's put it in more simple terms. You know why your body starts getting creaky and achy when you get over 35? Because your body's in bondage to decay. You know why your eye gets your eyes go bad when you get over 40? You're you're like, well, my dad had no no no, because you're in bondage to decay. Well, my dad no no he was in bondage to decay. The earth, your body. The whole thing, sin corrupted it all in the beginning. So anyway, let's keep reading. So that the creation itself would be what? Liberated, though, from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So that, again, we're going back to what's going to be. So in the beginning, bondage to decay. Sometime in the future, something different's going to happen. So here, here, here's the big deal. In the beginning, sin entered the world and it's in bondage to decay. That's your in the beginning. So if you want to know why sin, why sickness, why death, why all the, the evil, the all these things, it's because way back in the beginning when sin entered the world, the earth became in bondage to decay. So like, why did I deserve this? Why did this have to happen? The whole thing's falling apart. Until. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until this present time. Everybody say present time. So, so again, we're, we're putting the past, the present, and the future all together. And we find that, and guess what? What this is saying is this, is that the whole world, everybody say the whole world. That means nobody's exempt from this. It doesn't matter if you're white or black. It's not a race thing. It doesn't matter if you're old or young. Not an age thing. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. This isn't about economics. The whole thing is bondage to decay and no one is exempt. And not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit. Now, that, that sounds kind of a little bit churchy or, 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 or spiritual. Listen to this, though. We who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. The what? The redemption of our bodies. What he's saying is this, is that. When you became a Christian and you put your faith in Jesus, something incredible happened. Now, for some of you, it was incredibly noticeable and your life changed. Like uh, the way you thought, the way you felt, the, the, the behavior, your attitude, your actions. And you just were this. Everybody was like, wow, this guy's like a whole new person because the Holy Spirit came on the inside of you and something changed. Now, for other people, um, it didn't happen exactly that way. 
But when you put faith in God, the Holy Spirit came into you and maybe it didn't happen that same way and, and you didn't change overnight. Maybe you changed a little bit and maybe it was so slow that other people are like, I don't know. You should maybe pray that prayer again. Um, but regardless of where you're at on that spectrum, here's what you need to know is that the Holy Spirit was made as like a deposit. Does that make sense? Something was placed on the inside of you the moment that you put your faith in Jesus. And guess what? Your heart has been changed. Your heart has been redeemed. You are a child of God. But do you know this? That when you gave your heart to Jesus, your body stayed the same. This is why if you had, you know, weirdness in your feet, you know, you had bad feet. You gave your life to Jesus you have a brand new heart. You have the same weird feet, though. Does that make sense? Like, like I'm just trying to make it sense. Like, like what now? Now, are there people that have experiences with healing? Absolutely, we believe that God still heals. The, absolutely, but by and large, when you come to Jesus, your heart was changed. Your body, not so much. It's still in bondage to decay. So, but at some point in the future, he said, "There's a redemption of our bodies, but not yet." For in this hope, everybody say this hope. For in this hope we are saved. What hope? The hope that God is in you. The hope that God is with you. That hope. In, in that hope we are saved. But hope, and he makes sense of hope. He says something like so, um, so obvious but so like mind-bending at the same time. He goes, but hope that is seen is, is, is actually no hope at all. Because who hopes for what they already have? And you're like, dude, that's deep. How can you hope for something that you already have? You know, you have one of those moments. Um, you actually can't have hope without having some type of loss. I'm just going to throw that out there. So, but if we hope for what we do not have yet, we do what? We wait for it patiently. So he says, in the beginning, sin entered the world and the whole thing began to decay and everything in it. That's in the beginning. This is the context of all pain and suffering. These are the big three dots that in the beginning, sin entered the world and decay began to happen. So what, okay, but God, what do I do in the meantime? That's not helping me because that was back then. And if I were there, I would punch Adam right in the jaw. And so I can't do that. And I'm experiencing pain and suffering right now. So what do I do right now? Well, here's what you do. Well, in the meantime, we wait. We wait for the ultimate redemption. In the meantime, we hope. The hope that God is in us and that God is with us. In the meantime, you know, here's a, we just stay patient. What do I do with all my pain and suffering? First, you've got to put it in its context. That your pain and suffering is, is, sometimes it is a result of something dumb that we did or some poor decision that we made. But I mean, by and large, this stuff was going to eventually happen anyway, wasn't it? Why? Because in the beginning, sin entered the world and the whole thing began to decay. But Paul says, in the meantime, have hope. Be patient and wait for this ultimate redemption. That's, that's in the future. But let's keep reading. So, verse 26, in the same way, I love this part. This is a, such a cool scripture. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't even know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Here's what the scripture tells me. Number one is this, is, is you have weaknesses. I don't know if you knew that or not. I have weaknesses. So you know what that means? You know if you experience pain, if you experience suffering, if you experience your own personal weaknesses in life, you know what that means? You're normal. You're totally normal. 
Because the worst thing you can do when you experience pain and weakness and you think you're all alone and you think this is only happening to me. I want to tell you, you're normal. This is happening to everybody. You're falling apart. You're normal. You're struggling with your faith. You're normal. Just hang in there. Don't make the mistake of looking at what you did wrong to get into this mess. And don't make the other mistake of trying to blame God for how it all worked out. Let's keep let's keep going here. So so it says that we ought not or we do not know what we ought to pray for. How many ever been there before? You ever been so sick to your stomach that you didn't even want to pray? And if you tried to pray, you didn't even have words. You might have just had tears. You didn't have words because you were mad. You didn't have words because you didn't have the little dots to put together to figure the whole thing out. So what do I do? And here's what's so awesome about God. God is so loving and so compassionate. He says, hey, when you're so jacked up that you can't even pray. I'm pray for you. When you can't put it together, I want you to know I'm praying for you. When all you have is tears and you don't have words, you need to know this. So in the meantime, I want you to know, like have hope. Be patient. Wait eagerly for this incredible redemption. And even in the meantime, know this. I'm praying for you. What an incredible thought. So the Bible says in verse 27, it says, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes, again, for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know, this is one of these scriptures that many of us memorize. We even have a song that goes along the lines of these The scripture right here. And we know that in all things, God works. Everybody say, God works. So, when we're experiencing pain and suffering, here's what we feel. We feel the pain and we feel the misery. But I want you to know that God works. So even when there's death, God works. When there's suffering, God works. When there's sickness, God works. When there's no answers and we can't put the dots together, God's still working. When it works out the way that you thought it was supposed to work out, God's still working. And when it worked out completely opposite, nothing like what you want to do, I want you to know God's still working. That God is always at work. And he works for those who love him. Who've been called according to his purpose. Now I need you to get, I need you to get like the conclusion of what the scripture means. What this means is this. God, you're saying that I can be loved and still go through hell? Yep. You, you, wait a minute. You're saying I can not just be loved, like I'm called and I can still experience pain and suffering? That's exactly what that means. But I thought if you really loved me, no, that's not what, no. Now you've taken it out of context. Now you're focusing on the little dots here and the now and, and you're not going to be able to make sense of that. I need you to stay for, for now. God is working, and even those who he loves and even those who he calls still go through things. Verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? Everybody say these things. What are these things? The pain and suffering, the suffering of our present time. Even in response to these things, it is God who is for us. So then who can be against us? That's an incredible scripture. If God can be for you, who can be against you? Now listen to what he says. Don't forget this, by the way. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, Jesus, graciously give us all things? Now, here's here's what you need to remember. In the beginning, there was sin and the world began to decay. That in the meantime, God wants you to wait patiently in eager hope of this ultimate redemption. And even in the midst of it, while you're waiting, know that God... Is praying for you. Here's another context you don't want to lose sight of. You don't want to lose sight of the cross. 
Because what the cross reminds us of is that God himself did not stand up in heaven and say, man, that looks really bad. I'm sorry you have to go through that. Oh, that looks awful. I'm glad that didn't happen to me. You've done that before, right? Whew, glad that didn't happen to me. You're chuckling. You know what I'm talking about. Because we're all about avoiding pain, aren't we? Like pain avoidance is one of the main human behaviors that we have. Except for those people who really like tattoos and weird piercings. Y'all are okay with it. But other than that, or anyway, let's keep on. My point is we're all about pain avoidance. Can I tell you this? That God was, God was not standing in heaven saying, you know what? That looks really, really hard, man. That's tough. No, no. He actually involved himself personally with pain and with suffering in a physical sense, in an emotional sense, even in a spiritual sense. Jesus carrying the weight of sin on him as we don't even understand, we don't know how to comprehend that. Here's what you need to think about with Jesus too. Jesus was not stranger to the pain and suffering thing that we experience. Do you remember what Jesus was like leading up to the cross? Because there have been some martyrs that died for Jesus who were gung-ho about it. There were guys that were burning at the stake quoting scriptures. There were guys burning at the stake and one of them looks through his bed and says, play the man we're doing. And they were, they were like, they were like these heroic, but Jesus wasn't like that. Do you remember in the garden of Gethsemane? Jesus is thinking about what's about to go down. He's like, okay, God, real quick, before this goes down, let's have one more talk. Is this the only way? Is there, I mean, I'm doing your will. No matter what, I'm with you. You know that. But like if you could pass this cup on somehow else, but whatever your will is, your will be done. He was, he was sitting there thinking. He was not a stranger to the idea of pain. And when he experienced pain, he experienced it on a physical level, an emotional level, on a spiritual level, and the likes of which you and I could never understand. So here we go back to the dilemma. Remember the dilemma? The dilemma is, well, God can't be all-powerful, He can't be all-loving, and we get into that exchange. Let, let me explain to you why He is still all-powerful and all-loving. If you really wanted God in all of His power to end suffering, do you know what that would mean for you? It would mean the end of you. The only way God could exterminate evil and sin and suffering now would be to exterminate you. But God's love. This is the other reason why he can't fully exterminate all sin is because God wanted to interact with a loving being, which means there has to be an element of choice and free will. Without that, you're just robots. So God, in his loving nature, wanted to have a relationship with you, so he had to give you the freedom to be dumb and stupid or sinful or rebellious or whatever it is that we fall into. God had to give us that freedom or he wouldn't have a loving relationship with us. And so he has the power to end sin, but the only power that he has in the moment to to end sin is to end you. And he doesn't want to do that because he is all loving. So what he did was, is he sent his son into the world to take on pain and suffering so that one day he could end pain and suffering without ending you. And when you look at Jesus... And when you look at his death on the cross, you have to now at this point stand back and say, okay, I know that there might be a lot of reasons why I'm going through pain and suffering. And I know that I cannot make sense of them all now. But I know for certain I am not experiencing pain and suffering because he does not love me. If he did not love me, he would not have sent his son into the world to take on pain and suffering. So therefore that. So it's not that he's not all powerful. 
It's not that he's not all loving. We have to put the big dots together. Let me wrap it up, and I'm going to close with this story here. This, this, this is just my own little personal. Um, when, when I was a brand, remember I talked about brand new parents are always funny about their first kids because they're really, really overly protective about their first kids. And then by second kid, you're like, eh. And third kid, you're like, I don't care. And so, y'all know it's true. And I don't even know why that is. But you're, my, my first kid was a little boy named Peyton, who's 11 now. But when he was 15 months old, this was at our church in San Jose, mom, and I don't know how long it was, because how many know uh, we got some newborns in here? You don't put your newborn usually in the nursery right away with the first kid, right? Now with the second, the third kid, you, you definitely put him in there. You're like, yeah, yeah, you're fine. And so, so it was five months before she eventually put him into the nursery. And then when he was 15 months old, Somehow, and I don't think I ever went into the nursery room there ever, so I still don't know what it looks like, but apparently there was a window seal with like a sharp edge on it. And my 15-month-old son, who is playing in a rambunctious little boy, I remember what he was like as a little boy, he wanted to see what would happen if he threw it in the water or if he just stomped on it really hard. That was like his whole thing when he was 15 months old. And so um, he's in the room, he's playing, I'm sure, just a happy-go-lucky little 15-month-old kid, but he falls and he gashes his forehead here. And he's just bleeding out everywhere. We get the phone call. We're free. Mom's freaking out. I'm trying to be cool. You know what I mean? Because like somebody's got to keep it together. And so, um, and so we, we take him to the, to the hospital. We take him to the emergency room. And mom is flipping out. She is crying. Tears are flowing. And she said, Todd, I cannot handle this. You have to I'm going to flip out right now. And so, so I, got, I, I got this baby. And then when she went away, I started crying. And so, she doesn't have to see now. My little boy. And now, when you're 15 months old and you have a big gash, you don't understand what's about to happen. Like, I've had, how many have had stitches before? Yeah, yeah, it's not fun. But at least now as a grown-up, you know, you know, you, you know it's about to go down. When you're 15 months, you have no idea. You have no idea that they're going to take a needle and poke it in and begin to numb it. And they're going to run this thread and needle through your skin. And, oh, dear God, it's awful. And so, and when you're 15 months old, too, you can't control your little bodily functions. And so they literally have to wrap him up in like a Velcro burrito to keep him from flailing around. And you know what I was doing my, the whole time my son was going through this experience? Do you think I was in the lobby reading a golf magazine? Do you think I was out at the vending machine because I wanted a snack? Do you think that I had somehow just pulled back from the moment and said, well, you know what, there's a context for this. You know, the reason why this happened is because, well, the world's in decay. This is going to happen, so, you know, suck it up. You know what I mean? Be a man about it. Oh, and by the way, there's this redemption in the end, too. You're going to be fine. Once you get the stitches, give it a couple of weeks, give it a few months. Wait till you're older. The, the scar won't even be there anymore. You know, right now it's kind of a cool little scar. Like, I'm tough. It'll be gone. So, like, in the, in the beginning sin and in the end you'll be redeemed. You're, you're going to be fine. You know what I was doing? I was right there. Holding him. Loving him. Praying for him. And crying for him. Because he could not make sense of it all. What I want you to know is this. Is that you have a loving, heavenly father who does not check out in the midst of your pain and suffering. He is not in the lobby. He is not removing himself from your pain and your suffering. But rather, he is right there with you. And as if you, if, if you do this, there's two results of our pain and suffering. Either draws us towards God or it, it makes us push away from God. And what I want you to do is the next time you experience pain and suffering, 
You cannot put all the dots together. It might not ever make sense. I want you to the big dots are there. Now you know that. Now you are prepared for that future experience that comes down the road. It's not going to rattle your... And have you ever seen people that were like that? You ever seen people that went through incredible pain and suffering and they seem to be just at peace? And they just seem to be okay with everything? And you're like, man, I wish I had faith like that. That's what I want you to have. Because I want you to know that there is an in the beginning... And there is in the end and in the meantime, here's where I want you to draw closer to your heavenly father. In the meantime, I want you to hold on to hope. There is an ultimate redemption. I want you to hold on to hope and be patient. I want you to know that your heavenly father is with you and he is in you. And he is even praying for you when you cannot find the words to speak. Because your heavenly father loves you. He is right there with you in your pain and suffering. Let's pray this morning. Dear God, we pray that we would... Spot the lie that every time we experience, and we're going to experience loss. One out of every one people dies. We all experience suffering. We, we all experience some type of sickness or illness. Why? Why? It's everybody. It's not just one or two. It's not the good ones or the bad ones. The whole world's in decay. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to remember that, God. But above all, let us remember that in the meantime, right in the midst of our pain and suffering, God, help us to draw close to you. Help us to reject the lie. This isn't your fault. This isn't our fault. This isn't about blame in this moment. But God, this is about your redemption. And so God, in those moments of pain and suffering, help us to draw closer to you. And God, when we are around somebody that's going through incredible pain and suffering, God, I pray that you would give us the same level of grace and compassion towards them. That God, we're not there to fix them. We are there to help them and to love them. And so God, help us to be a people who know the truth and lean heavy into that truth that, God, you are love and that you are with us. God, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said amen. 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 Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?